it is Pastor Paul. It is, let's see here, Wednesday morning, Tallahassee, Florida, April 7th, 2021. So glad that you have joined us. If you've just stumbled onto this this stream, um, what we do is we take 10, 15 minutes every weekday morning and we read a portion of God's word. We highlight it. We ask what it meant um, to the people it was written to then, what it means to us now. And we have been journeying through the book of Exodus. Now, this section of Exodus, really from like chapters 20 to chapters 30, um, are typically the ones you might get bogged down into if you're reading the Bi- and through the Bible in a year. You get to these, these passages about the bronze altar and the oil and the lamp and the decorations in the tabernacle. And you, you know, your eyes glaze over. You zone, you zone out. It's kind of like reading the genealogies, and um, in order to get to the the better stuff, right? Like the Red Sea and the Golden Calf and the Ten Commandments and those sorts of things. But that would be a mistake, okay? And and on, on two fronts, okay. Number one, um, the Old Testament law, while it is fulfilled in Christ, still needs to be read. Um, with that principle we talked about before from the Westminster Confession of Faith, that we want to read Old Testament law and try to get at the underlying principle, the underlying dynamic going on, um, so so as to, to get at the heart of, of the law. So, for example, we talked about this idea that the, the Old Testament law prescribes for the Israelites to construct railings around the roof of their house so that if they're outside entertaining or eating, that um, people don't fall off and hurt themselves. Well, we don't have the same sort of, of, of abode situation here in the Southeast. So what is the principle we wanna derive from that? Well, we wanna be doing everything we can um, in our lives, whether it's home, in a car, or whatever, that really seek to protect our neighbor, that seek to provide for the welfare of those that God has called us to care for. So that, that, that's, a, that, that's an example. So we want, number one, we want to look at the principle under the law. Number two, we want to see how this law points to Christ. We want to see how this law um, um, is ultimately to be read in light of him. Because after all, Jesus said, the whole Old Testament, it points to me. The law, the prophets, the wisdom literature, the whole kit and caboodle. So... Um, with that, with that thought in mind, um, and, and so, so just um, let me digress one more second here. So, for example, when Moses um, is um, prescribing uh, priestly stipulations, okay, for worship uh, that involve purity, that involve cleanliness, that involve um, you know not just waltzing into the presence of God. Uh, but offering sacrifice, then we obviously want to be looking to, well, how, how is Jesus uh, our perfect sacrifice? Um, what does this tell us about the holiness of God, the holiness of Jesus and such? So with all that said, we now come to 28, and it's a fascinating chapter because it talks about uh, the, the garments or the clothing or the attire that the high priest and his sons um, must wear and how it's to be constructed and what it's what what's it to look like and those sorts of things and so um it's a long chapter so i'm going to read first of all the first five verses to kind of give us the flow here and then i'm going to like 
do some selected portions of, of the text, which I think will give us the, the main idea of how we're to read this chapter. Okay, so um, Exodus 28, beginning in verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithmar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. So, so the directive is um, the high priest, the one who represents God, um, to, or represents the people to God, um, the only one who gets to go into the Holy of Holies, and that being one time a year, and then all of his sons and descendants and those who administer and, and serve in the house of the Lord, um, um, that also represented the people to God, made sacrifice and prayer for them and those sorts of things, um, they had to have special attire. And it's interesting um, when, you, when you read this that... Um, the, the reason being, number verse 2, you shall make holy garments, and then and God tells us why, for glory and for beauty. Okay, now that's interesting, okay? Because I think what God is, is telling the Israelites that when it comes to worship of him, when it comes to relating all of life to him and walking in obedience to him, there's, there's two aspects to keep in mind, glory and beauty. And it's glory that relates to God, it's beauty that relates to us, okay? So glory should be pretty self-explanatory, right? That when Moses, um, when Aaron and the priests uh, dressed up, okay, or got their attire on, everything about their attire should say God is different, God is distinct, God is holy, Okay, so, so for example, look at verse 6. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and of fine twine linen, skillfully worked. Verse 7. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its edges so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and be of one piece with it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave them on the names the sons of Israel, and on and on and on and on. So the whole chapter is like this, a meticulous detail about um, Aaron's um, dress and his attire as high priest. And we have to ask, what, what was that about? Well, it was to communicate that you had to be different to come into God's presence, right? You had to be set aside. Um, you couldn't just waltz in there with your flip-flops and jean shorts on. You had to dress in a way, the high priest did, which signified that God is holy. And all of these materials, right, and engravings and stones and signets, and you can read through the chapter here, 
uh, were the finest that Israel had to offer. In fact, they were they're probably the finest of, of any ancient people that they would have. And remember where the Israelites got all these materials, uh, they got them when they plundered the Egyptians, right? And, and it's to signify to the Israelites that God is not to be trifled with. Um, you can't just sashay into God's presence. Um, as God is holy and glorious and dwells in unapproachable light, then um, it's only worthy, it's only fitting that, that the high priest dress in a way in the finest that human beings had to offer to display the glory of God. So anytime an Israelite would see one of these priests or the high priest dressed in this magnificent attire, and it would have been magnificent, okay? We're talking about breastplates made of gold and jewels and a turban and um, signet rings. And I mean, it would have been like you were going to a Broadway show and seeing someone dressed up in costume or, or going to a black tie affair and seeing someone dressed to the nines. That was the high priest. And it would have reminded the Israelites over and over and over again, God is holy, dwells in unapproachable light. You have to be distinct, different. Um, he is distinct. He is different. Um, um, we want to bring our finest to honor and to glorify him. And so this is part of where the tradition, okay, of Christians dressing up in their quote-unquote Sunday best to come and worship on a Sunday. Now, I don't think you can make a ironclad biblical principle for this. Like, you have to wear a suit and tie to, to worship or those sorts of things. I think what it does point to, though, is do we give those kinds of things thought? Do we, do we, how are we giving God our best, okay, in terms of whatever it is, our time, service, money, dress, worship, um, hobbies, how do we give him our best? How do we set, set aside um, um, and, and remember this idea that God is holy and we are not and he, because he's made a way through his gracious mediation through Jesus Christ, then we want to honor him um, and his glory in all that we do. So a second thing that we see, though, in this passage, okay, they were to wear these, these, these clothes for glory, but they were also to wear them for beauty. And it says that Moses, they were to recruit people from the, from the people who were very skilled, okay, in the making of these garments and linens. And it, it took very skillful, he said, you shall speak, verse 3, to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill. Now that's interesting as well, right? A lot of, th th this would have reminded the Israelites, okay, that whatever gift God had given them, whether it was being skillful or artful, or whether they were good at business, or whether they were good at fighting, or whether they were good at farming, or whatever they were naturally in tune to do, that their gift was to be used to glorify God. Um, and so, so no one in Israel would say, well, the priest does the priestly work, and by definition, by, by, by definition what he does um, is more important, or what he does is more holy. Now understand, um, what he did was very important. It was very holy. But God is really emphasizing to the people of Israel 
whatever way God has gifted you, whatever skills God has gifted, use it to glorify me, use it to create beauty. And this is a this is part of the cultural mandate we've all been given to use the gifts that God has given us to glorify him. You don't have to be a pastor, elder, or professional ministry worker um, to be doing the work of God. We're doing the work of God, Luther said, and whatever we do, if we're doing it for his glory, whether we're doctoring, lawyering, mothering, fathering, mowing the lawn, you name it, God has given us all gifts, and it's meant to create, right? It's meant to create a culture, to create beauty. Um, these things aren't antithetical to the glory of God. Um, it's not, we can't divide life up into secular and sacred areas and say this area is important to God and this area is not. It all belongs to him. And we want to keep that in mind, right? When we understand how we engage the world and creation, we're to bring our gifts, we're to bring our abilities, use them to honor God, to create beauty. As we're going to see in our study through First Timothy, um, nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving and prayer. In other words, um, God has given us his good gifts of creation to enjoy, and we want to use them to leverage them, to glorify him, to show his beauty. And so, so when, you, when you think about all these again, um, stipulations given in Exodus 28, we can see that the underlying principles are glory and beauty, glory and beauty. Now, how is this pointing to Christ? That should be pretty clear, right? Um, Christ is our great high priest. He still intercedes for us, and everything about him is glorious and beautiful. He ought to be worshipped for his glory and for his beauty. He doesn't wear this attire. It's not necessary. But he's attired in glory and unspeakable light and beauty. Read Revelation chapter 1 where John um, encounters the risen Lord and the beauty that emanates from Christ. And as we read chapters like this, we should read them, understand they ultimately point to him, who is our great high priest, who dwells in glory and holiness, um, but yet is beautiful and has given us access to himself through his blood. So whatever you do today, Four Oaks, use it to create beauty. Use it to honor God. It all matters to him. Um, and in honoring God, think about his glory. Think about his holiness. Think about his beauty and how our lives can serve to frame and lift that up for other people around us. All right, let me pray for us and we'll be done. Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for just the treasure of your word. It just yields so much fruit and wisdom and um, life-giving words to us. And so continue to write them on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, April 8th, same time, same station. Hope to see you then. Bye.